This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. One of the things about the banquet, as enjoyable as it is, it also reminds me that we're getting close to the end of the conference. And we've spent so much time praying for this and preparing for this and uh, thinking about what God's going to do that that's kind of hard. And I wonder tonight what God has done in your life this week to this point. Is there a message that is spoken to you specifically? You know, I've only been able to hear a couple of them. I heard pastor on Wednesday talking about faith promise and, and as I've listened to the cards be read and, and realized that there are folks giving to faith promise for the first time, I think some of this must be, must be finding its way home, so that's a blessing. And then last night I learned some things about diffusion I hadn't really ever thought about some more. There's some sight pictures I'll probably never get rid of. But gospel diffusers, we want to be effective in that. And we don't want to be like the brute aftershave, right? I don't want people having tears in their eyes when I'm trying to witness to them unless it's because the Holy Spirit is at work. But something for us to think about. Maybe, maybe it's a particular field that you heard about. It's just you can't get it off your mind. Or maybe, maybe one of the missionaries or a missionary family that you've, you've gotten to know better if we already support them, or for the first time, if they're new. And, and maybe the Lord's stirring your heart in that way. Pastor ha Asher hinted that tomorrow he's going to be continuing his message um, from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I don't know if you recall, but he referred to verse number 5 there as one of the things he was going to be talking about. And that verse, in part, reads, And this they did, talking about the Macedonians, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. And the question that I hope we all ponder at a, in a week like this is, am I a volunteer? <laughs> am I willing to give myself to the Lord in, in whatever way he's asking me? Because I dare say the Holy Spirit has been speaking to every heart here in some capacity this week, and he'll continue to do so even in the last day before we're done. In my time here at Good News, I... I think I've seen missionaries sent out of here in their 20s, in their 40s, in their 50s, and in their 60s. And it reminds me that God is about putting people out there where work needs to be done. But of course, that's, that's not all of it. There's work that needs to be done here as well. And I wonder if, if someone asked you the question, what do you think is the biggest hindrance after a, a week like this? After the Holy Spirit perhaps has been prompting in your heart, maybe after, after you've talked to God after a service or maybe even away from here as you've reflected on what you've heard, the promise maybe that you've made, what's the hindrance to that being followed through with? If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, you can turn to Matthew chapter 28. I know that one of those verses is part of our, our conference theme about making disciples. This is such a familiar passage that I think there's a little danger in it. Because at least in my own life, I find that there can be danger with familiarity. And so when you hear something so many times, it can be that it doesn't resonate as much as it maybe it did earlier on. And so we oftentimes, as we look at those last few verses, and this, what I'd call it, an amazing reunion that's taking place from verses 16 to the end of the chapter, we focus on 19 and 20 getting out there and doing the things that we're supposed to do. Go, proclaim the gospel, baptize them, and, and teach them or, or disciple them. 
so that they'll do the things that the Lord wants them to do. But if it gets too familiar, I wonder about the impact anymore. I think it becomes easy if we're not careful to start thinking about the fact that maybe we expect others not to go, but, but not us. Maybe, maybe it gets a little too easy for us to get excited about somebody else who shares a testimony because they got to give the gospel to somebody and they prayed to receive Christ, and we're satisfied just being a spectator, riding, the wa- riding their wave instead of what God might be doing in our life. We leave discipling sometimes to those that we think have more Bible knowledge than we do, never realizing that, that in the process of discipling somebody and digging into the scripture yourself, you are studying and you are learning and God is growing you at the same time you're trying to help somebody else grow in their faith. There is a place for us to be able to work. But you know, this, this, this issue of, of wondering what, our, what we can do and, and can I do, it, it's not a new mindset. It was there 2,000 years ago. If you're familiar with Matthew 28, you know it very quickly in that chapter. It moves from Mary and Mary at the sepulcher all the way up to them heading back to give the good news, meeting Jesus. He says, go tell the disciples. I want to meet them. And then we find ourselves at verse number 16 where that meeting takes place. If you look there, you can see now the 11 disciples, they went away into Galilee, Scripture says, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. They they listened to what Jesus said, they believed what he said, and they went there because they told them to go there. And I don't know what their mind was thinking, what might have been going on for them as they, they realized that the ladies have seen Jesus and he wants to talk to us. But then in verse number 17 we see this, this glorious reunion. These men who had spent years with Jesus, had watched horrible things happen, were, were really kind of lost in, in what, what the way ahead might even be, and now, it says in verse number 17, they saw him. They saw him. You know, that's not, that's not a saw like, oh, I saw that flag over there. It's not, I, oh, I saw that bird. It's, oh, as my, as my nephew, uh, as, my, as my grandson pointed out, nephew, his, his, cousin, his cousin is in this country right here as a missionary. That's not just a flag, it's the Cambodian flag. And that's the way it was for them. It, this wasn't just a, a small kind of a thing. They knew exactly who they were seeing. They knew exactly what he represented. And they were very focused on that. And you can tell because what happens after they saw him? Well, the scripture says they worshiped him. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine seeing Jesus after all they had been through, after what they had seen him go through, and now they're with him, and they're worshiping him? Man, that had to be a glorious, glorious experience. I can't imagine what was coming out of their mouths. I can't imagine what was going on in their hearts and minds, but it had to be amazing. It makes me think about a conference like this. You've come here. You've been a part of some some great music, the opportunity to worship God. You've heard from God's word some preaching and teaching and has challenged your heart. And it rises, it raises us up, doesn't it? We get excited. That's where they were. But then look back at verse number 17. What comes after that? They saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some what? They doubted. Now think about who we're talking about here. We're not talking about new believers We're talking about men who knew Jesus better than any men did. 
They had seen him do amazing things. He, they had experienced his patience as he tried to teach them when they would fumble through things or doubt, question things or not understand things. It reminds me that even mature believers sometimes struggle with this issue of doubt, don't we? It doesn't matter how close we might even think we are to Jesus. They were in his presence. It, I love the fact that scripture does not tell us who doubted. Because if it did, I'd be going, doubting Thomas. Oh, there's Peter again. I just, if it's going to be somebody, it's going to be Peter, right? Scripture doesn't tell us. It doesn't even tell us how many. It just says some. And I think it's so that we won't, in our minds, go, well, he might have done that, but I'd never do it. Because I would tell you we're all susceptible to this, this challenge, this difficulty, no matter how close we are to Christ. And to me, that, that, is, that is my greatest concern when you walk away from something like this, is that you'll just go on with life as it was before. And that prompting that was here, it just kind of fades away. That promise that we made to God is, is a little bit serious for a while, but then there's just not that follow through. Jesus gave them a task that was going to be so extraordinarily difficult for them. In the process, in the, in the very period of time that some of them were struggling with doubt. Now, the doubt wasn't with Jesus. No reason it would be. I mean, he's back. He did exactly what he said. He rose from the dead, and now he's interacting with them. But where's the doubt come for us? It doesn't come from our God and looking towards him. It comes as we look at ourselves in the mirror, and we go, yeah, but you don't know. Last year, last week, last time, this happened. So I don't know that I could ever follow through. I don't know that God could ever use me to do that. Do you think Jesus understood that this doubt was going on here? He did. He did. I love how he responds to that. Sometimes when we deal with doubt, and we deal with people who are doubting, you, you can get a little impatient with them sometimes, a little short with them. But what's the problem here? Why, why are you questioning this? You know, it says it here in black and white. Or, or you, you told me God spoke to you in this way, or God's leading you in this way. Why are you doubting this? Jesus doesn't respond that way. Jesus responds as you would expect he would respond. Look at his response in verse number 18. As he realizes that these men who he'd invested so many years of his life in, some of them are struggling right now about the fact that they've got to go forward in their faith and whether they're going to be able to do it, and what does he say to them? He ministers to them. He says, the verses, that, the words that, that Brother Wagar shared with us uh, in his testimony, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Focus can get us in so much trouble. We, we look in the mirror, we see ourselves, and doubt crawls in. We look to the Savior and it should be and can be a very different experience for us because he has the authority, he has the power to go forward and do the very tasks that we are asked to do in 19 and 20. The very tasks that perhaps the Lord has been pressing on your heart about witnessing more effectively, about being a discipler, maybe somebody in specific, maybe about going, whether it's going far away or going across the street. He wants all those things to happen. And then he reminds them again after he tells them in verse number 
19 and the first number, half of verse number 20, these difficult things that they're going to be asked to do. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth world. How many of you would prefer to do a difficult task with somebody else versus doing it alone? I think we all would, wouldn't we? Think about how that feels. And the very things that he's asked us to do, the very things that perhaps we failed at before, that, that we think, oh, this is too hard for me, are the very things that he is available and with us to help us to be able to do. That's why the Holy Spirit prompts our hearts about these things. Because God wants us to move forward. He doesn't want the missions conference to be the climax. When that light goes off on Sunday, and I believe it will, sometimes we go, done. I'm done. I'll, I'll do my faith promise, but we're done. I'll think about that again for a while. And I, and I believe that God wants that only to be the beginning. Amen. Only the beginning in each one of our lives. What is it that I will do differently because of how God spoke to my heart, the things he challenged me about regarding, in this case, the Great Commission, my role and what I ought to be doing? How much difference do you want to make? How much difference do you want Good News Baptist Church to make? Perhaps you've heard of C.T. Studd, a missionary, late 1800s, early 1900s. I mean, those days, missionaries went off to faraway countries, and oftentimes you'd hardly ever hear from them again, and usually they died wherever it is they went. Late 1800s, he's in China. Now, he wasn't just an average guy. His dad was wealthy. He had a large inheritance. He split it into four parts, gave it away to agencies that were concerned about getting the truth of the gospel out, and said, I can't keep it because if I do, I might not go serve myself. Goes to China. 1900 to 1906, finds himself in India. And after that, finds himself in Africa, where he would start the Heart of Africa mission and where he would ultimately die. And I think it's, I think it's valuable to, to hear the perspective of a man who spent his adult life in some very difficult places. What is, what is a man like that who's out on the front lines doing the things that some of these missionaries are going to be doing, that some of these people on the, the side walls are doing? What is it they think as they look back towards us? Good News Baptist Church, or whatever church you might go to if you're from someplace else. What, what do they think? What are they challenging people to think about? This is what he had to say. The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest nearest home. If we want to be effective worldwide, we'll be most effective when it starts right here. When the light shines bright right here through our lives, through our efforts, through our ministry. I believe that's true because if we care about souls here, we'll be praying for the folks that care about souls everywhere else around the world that we can't get to. But when we don't care about souls here, that's why a missionary doesn't hear anything when they send out a prayer letter. That's why some people don't even know who our missionaries are. Because we're not burdened enough here to think about what ought to be going on someplace else. So, mission conference ends in 48 hours. With God's help, let's not that be, let that be an end to anything. Let's ask God to do something in our life. Maybe you need to say, God, I'm giving myself to you. 
Maybe you need to say, God, that very thing you asked me to follow through with, I'm going to follow through with your help, with your strength. And let's see God do something amazing because he's an amazing God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray real quick and then, Pastor. Father, thank you so much for, for Jesus. Lord, for his care for those who are close to him. A care that continues this day to we who seek to be close to him ourselves. Lord, cause us to have the courage, the strength, and the confidence to go forward. Not because of what we can do, but because of what you can do in and through us. And God, would you cause the light of, God, of your truth, of the gospel, to shine brighter from Good News Baptist Church after this conference than it's ever shined before. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.